Welcome to Agents of Smooch. We are starting the holiday season with romance in action and the 1996 movie, The Long Kissed Goodnight. This movie is pretty much the antithesis of the small town Hallmark Christmas romance, but instead of folksy hometown charm, we get assassins, amnesia, Gina Davies, and Samuel L. Jackson. But will she leave her big city job to keep her small town life? Who knows? I am director of Smooch, Annette Weirstra, and for this mission, I am joined by agent Erica Ensign. Hello, Erica. I saw this in the theater, and then I watched it again recently to, you know, refresh my memory, obviously. Amazing. And we have joining us for the very first time, agent Brian Warren. Hello, Brian, and welcome. Hey, everybody. I also saw this in the theater, Erica. Hey, uh, hey. I have a funny story about that, actually. <laughs> this was the first time I've seen this, so this will be fun. Oh. Brian, so for our listeners who are new to you, where else can they find you when you're not being an agent? Well, first, I just want to say I'm honored to join the agency. Y'all are pretty dang cool. Um, but yes, you can find me uh, other comparable podcasts, namely Sorkin in it, where uh, it's a show where Lex Friedman, not that one, the cool one, uh, and I <laughs> discuss the films of Aaron Sorkin. And uh, but yeah, you can find me in various places. I'm on Mastodon, BW at typo.social. But you know, you can track me down. I'm not that hard to find. For smooch listeners, I highly recommend the Sorkin in it episode about the American president. It's really oh, fun. that's a winner. That's a great movie. Too. I love the concept mm -hmm. because it's good to have a theme and that seems like a very fun and diverse theme for lots of topics and discussions. Aaron Sorkin's written lots of different things, uh, but we've discovered that he's actually pretty good at, at the rom-com. Yep. We wish he did more of those. Yeah. Well, Agreed. we often wish there are just more rom-coms. True. <laughs> so for this movie, which I was, to, I assumed is called The Long Kiss Goodnight, I was like, this should be pretty romantic, right? Right, agents? And they're all like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> not exactly a super romantic movie but it is definitely a christmas movie and we are going with it the person i was dating the person i was dating at the time uh she we, we were trying to find a movie to watch in the theater and so we i don't know if we even saw the poster for this one but i remember peeking my head in the theater and seeing like sweaters and christmas and like happiness and cheer i'm like you know a movie like this I think this is going to be just fine for us because she was saying, oh, I don't want to watch some stupid action movie. Like, oh, don't Oops. worry. We're in, we're in good hands here. You know, Gina Davis and sweaters. Yeah, it'll be fine. The trailer made it look a lot more festive and a lot more like in, it was really, which is a good thing because it doesn't give away the whole movie. But it's like, it's a little more action-y than the trailer promised us. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. The movie, it opens with Samantha Kane, played by Gina Davis, who is the perfect small town mom, part of the community, part of the PTA, belle of the Christmas parade, with one small problem. Eight years ago, she showed up on a beach with amnesia. And after appearing on TV, her past is returning to haunt her and P.I. Mitch Hennessy, Samuel L. Jo Jackson who doesn't love Samuel L is helping her right. to dig up some clues. Who is Samantha? Why does she have such good knife skills? Will she return home to her daughter and her boyfriend fiance? <laughs> or will the cast catch up with her? Uh, listeners, I have a dog who is not going to be separated from me. And he's just, she Kalulu is just going to give me some extra vocal diversity cues. i don't know yeah. uh, yes so i have given up trying to get her to because if i lock her out or keep her she's she's just part of the podcast she will probably she's a part-time agent today yeah yes. she really likes well she did watch our, she our did watch squad. a long kiss good night with me so she's ready <laughs> i want to know both of you saw this in the theater so tell me more first impressions memories from then to now Let's start with you. Let's start with you, Brian. You already introduced us why you went. What did you think of the movie? Well, as both Annette and Erica know, like I, I, at the time, and I'd say probably until now also, uh, had a varying degrees of a mild crush on Gina Davis. So I was <laughs> I was already in on, on this movie. I, I can't remember if she did this or uh, A League of Her Own first, uh, probably right around the same time though, right? And so I was already... Um, pretty into the idea of, of watching this movie. And uh, of course, who doesn't love Samuel L. Jackson too? So I, I thought I was in pretty good hands. Um, but yeah, like I said, I was pretty surprised that this wasn't uh, 
uh, a straight up drama or romance or anything. Um, but I kind of like spy thrillers and adventure movies too. So when this took its strange turn that it did, um, I was uh, kind of on the edge of my seat. Now, looking back on it now, uh, slightly different lens to view this movie through. Um, maybe a little more tropey than I than I remembered at the time. But yeah, it's still it's 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 an adventure. I, I recommend it still. I guess. Mm-hmm. How about for you, Erica? Uh, I was in college when this movie came out, and uh, most of the people that I was hanging out with, uh, a lot of the the folks that came to college from my high school, were guys and. Uh, they all had, I'm not even going to call it a mild crush on Gina Davis. It was <laughs> it was significant and full-blown. And, of course, they were like, I think I think we knew that it was going to be kind of action-y. Um, so they were like, yeah, Gina Davis in an action movie? Ah, uh, yes, please sign us up. So we all went to the theater together and watched it. And I don't have specific like memories about what everybody sort of thought about it. We enjoyed the experience of just, you know, watching it with a bunch of friends. Uh, everybody loved Samuel L. Jackson because, again, who doesn't? Um, and yeah, watching Gina Davis do a bunch of, you know, action star stuff. I think it, like the the prevailing memory I have is just that we had a good time, that it wasn't like a super great movie in any way, but it was a fun movie. So, you know, when it came up as a possibility for, for romance in action, I was like, I don't remember the romance, but <laughs> I remember the action and I love Gina Davis. So it's probably good. And, and you know, the amnesia subplot is like, that is a delightful romance trope that I mm-hmm. love. Basically every time. So even if it's not super heavy on the romance, it is, you know, kind of heavy on some of the tropes that we see again and again in romance. So as soon as you were like, well, maybe we should do this one. I was like, well, if you do, I would like to be there for it because I remember that I liked it. So I would like to rewatch it and see what I think now. So that's what happened. Yeah, it was funny because you had said before I watched it that it's not actually that romantic. And so I was prepared for that going in. But what made me laugh is it actually hits a lot of the tropes, even if they're not specifically romantic, because uh, (laughs) you're going through and it, it, it like literally does kind of have her like the two two halves of Samantha, the one she remembers and the one she forgot, who is like the big city job person who also killer assassin we're like super sexy Mm -hmm. super like uh, (laughs) powerful and everything and then you have this like suit like very mom small town sort of the the ideal life that you're supposed to end up with in a hallmark movie and then the whole thing is about the tension between those two roles so i was like it's not strictly Mm -hmm. a it does. Her boyfriend, fiance, is lovely. And he says like the nicest stuff to her about you figure out who you are and then come back when you're ready. And that's lovely. But it's it's not the most romantic of movies overall. But he kind of reminds me of like the a Disney prince in like the very, very, very early princess movies where the prince has no personality whatsoever <laughs> and barely any lines. Like he does say the right things and he seems very nice, but he has no charisma. He just feels like such a drip. And it's like, it's just fascinating to me that, you know, this woman who was Charlie the assassin, then, you know, when she forgets all of that, not only did she dive headfirst into being PTA mom and Mrs. Claus and a great cook and stuff like that. But she finds like just the most, I don't know, milk toast dude (laughs) to be with. And it just kind of made me laugh. But I appreciate that, that, you know, it's, it is somebody that genuinely cares for her and will love her no matter what. Uh, That's, I mean, that is some serious unconditional love right there. He's like reliable dad material, right? Like he's not exciting, but he shows up to his girls' plays, even though they're sort of dumb. Mm-hmm. And he he like apparently takes over taking care of her kid when she has to go run off and do all sorts of murder. And so it's like he seems reliable. Yep. But like you said, yeah, we don't know a lot about him. He just seems like sort of normal guy. And I'm sure if we got to know him more, we'd probably like him fine. But in terms of like drama and rom-com, not the first person you would pick. In a Hallmark movie, he would he would probably be, 
the the uh, ex that they have an amicable breakup and he just goes off onto his own life. But this is a, this is a very different movie. I don't know. Some of those Hallmark heroes are pretty bland. <laughs> he's he's perfectly fine version of bland. I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think I would be uh, that nice and supportive if my spouse turned out to be like a, an ex uh, murderer. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and needed to go off and find herself and, and solve some problems. But um, yeah, I, I would hope I'd be able to take over and do as capable a job as Hal did. Yeah, even his name, Hal. I, I was like, whatever about him <laughs> until he like she's leaving and he's like, I don't care what you find out. And then I was like, OK, mm-hmm. that was like exactly the right thing to say. And now I'm going to actually be rooting for her to come back to you. Otherwise, I would totally be rooting for her and Samuel yep. L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's get into the action-y Christmas part of it, because it, it is very much set at Christmas. And we open with this great hall, like great Hallmark-style parade, and Gina Davis is in the car with Santa Claus. Apparently, she's Mrs. Claus. And we have Christmas caroling, and we have, I don't know, like Christmas parties and stuff. So like we're sort of in the thick of the Christmas season when all of a sudden we someone finds out who she's still alive and she has like this it goes from like being so nice to incredibly violent really fast (laughs) we suddenly there's like an attack inside samantha's home and at one point one of my favorite things was when she someone blows a hole in the wall of the house and then she picks up her daughter and throws her into the tree house that is like next to the house but like through the air through the tree house perfectly while this huge gun battle is going on and it's like that's probably the most sedate gun battle like it just amps up from there like the action is hardcore in this movie I'm trying to remember. Can you can you all remind me? Did did her car crash with the the deer? Did that happen before the blow the the big shootout in her house or not? Yes, it yes. did. Yes, yep. Because that's the first time we see uh, Samantha like do anything kind of badass, right? And and yes, I I do remember even I remember from like 1996 when I watched this when she like puts the deer out of her, uh, the deer's misery and. I'm like, oh, wow. That was hard. This movie's (laughs) taking a turn, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, and it was the car crash that instigated, it's sort of the instigating event that helps her previous memory come back. Ah, right. She bonked her head. That's like, that's the trope. As I said, as I was watching it with with my spouse, Stephen, I said, oh, yeah, it's just like in a cartoon. If you get hit on the head, you get amnesia. If you get hit a second time, you get your memories back. So <laughs> she gets in an accident. She, her memories start to come back. And then, and then after that is when we see uh, the, the scene from the, uh, from the trailer where she's chopping carrots really fast and then throws the knife at a, at a cupboard and says, chefs do that. And everybody's like, uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, I remember when I was watching it in that car crash, I was like the same thought, but also like, well, we really hit her head hard this time because that was pretty brutal. <laughs> and I think the guy in the car with her dies, but we never yep. see him again. Oh, You're right. just like, uh, that was pretty awful. And that sort of made you sit up in a way because uh, I wasn't like, expecting is... it to go that hard in terms of like the action. Yeah, it's like this is the kind of movie that you are in for. This this is a Rennie Harlan action joint, and uh, I think uh, Gina Davis was actually either married to or dating Rennie Harlan mm. at the time. So uh, he also did Cutthroat Island for fans of that <laughs> film. Um, but yeah, so it was like you know very very action heavy, and she. I mean, there's there's one scene later where she and Samuel L. Jackson are like coming up out of like cold icy water and like that's real cold water like they are it's just like wow this uh they, they committed this was a this was definitely an action film first and you know Christmas film second yeah I actually love that part when they because first of all she she's walking through the ice creek at that accident and then she's jumping into that icy water where she shoots it out as she's falling and you're just like girl mm-hmm. you are killing it right now also killing everyone yep. but she, i i kind of <laughs> loved 
how she kept kind of going back and forth between those two two personalities and when she needed charlie to show up charlie showed up in a big way and then she'd sort of fall back into sort of that softer character and i think there was a point i think there was like an hour and 15 minutes in i was like what are we doing but i I, and it was getting a bit long for my taste but uh Mm. because i i kind of lose patience with fight and and chase scenes but um I think the thing that really kept me going was her and that character between the two sides of her personality. Yeah, I appreciated that her character changed, you know, as as late in the movie as it did. Because I think like the tortury water wheel scene is when it like really switches over to actually being uh, Charlie all the time. And I I agree it did. You know, I'm. I enjoy action movies, but action sequences, especially when it's gunfights, I get bored pretty quickly um, unless there's something sort of interesting happening. And there are varying degrees of interesting things happening throughout this film. But I did appreciate that her character completely undergoes a massive shift partway through this movie because then I felt like, okay, everything is new now. So yeah, we're getting more big action sequences, but it's kind of a different person that is at the center of these action sequences now. So uh, it was a little less boring than it could have been at that point. Yes. And then we add the tension of then we put the kid into play um, to amp up the tension and try and get her to pull back towards the Samantha side because otherwise she could just, you know... Charlie was ready to walk away from everything and but we narratively it's more interesting if we're trying to pull her back and sort of have that both sides of her personality find some sort of meeting point that's where it got for me that's that's where it got a lot more kind of interesting when Charlie and Sam are like looking at Samantha are looking at each other through the mirror and there's like having dialogue with each other that never really captured me I, for some reason i just maybe it felt a little too tropey or it felt it's a little cheesy. Yeah, cheesy maybe is the right word for it right where she's like you want a cigarette right now she's like what, what are you even talking about uh <laughs> that it felt a little almost like a horror movie or something just because the way that the music changes and the way it gets like super creepy but it didn't feel creepy enough to be like super interesting to me but i i like the way that you portray it and that where once we get the kid back in play, we get to kind of play with both sides of her personality at the same time, and they have to like meet in the middle somewhere. And uh, that's where both Samantha and Charlie seem a little more human. When the first time that she like dyes her hair blonde and we and she says something like, "Oh, who's Samantha?" like and she, it's like I don't, can't tell if she's like trying to play it off that way or if she really doesn't care about her former life. And I'm not ready for her to stop caring about her former life. Yeah, I read it as her wanting to not care about her former Mm. life and also being like one thing that actually kind of resonated for me which was interesting is when you know she has has gotten pregnant just before she falls off the cliff uh, you know eight years ago and when she comes to on the beach she is pregnant and she thinks her name is samantha and she like just leans into this life and then when charlie gets her memory back charlie is clearly a person who would not have made that choice to have children. And as somebody who doesn't have any kids and who has never wanted to have them, if I suddenly woke up and I had a kid and I had had a kid for a while, I would be real messed up by that whole situation. And like the line that kind of broke my heart a little bit was, you know, nobody asked me. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Nobody did. And, And yes, having that child was a wonderful thing for Samantha. And in the end, it ends up being a good thing. But I just, I felt really... I think that's the thing that I felt the most for Charlie for. It's like, yes, you lost all of this time, um, but wow, your life completely shifted in a way that is you cannot come back from because in the end, she can't walk away from the fact that she's a mom and she and she has a child. And I'm sure some people could, but uh, but but she is not that person in the end. So I really felt like at the at the beginning of the the Charlie situation where she's got the blonde hair and everything and she's being so heartless about it. I think it's it's because it's scary for her and she's not the kind of person who wants to admit that she is ever scared by anything. Um, but like the scariest thing is the prospect of having a stable relationship and a family and a life and a kid. And she is really, really pushing away from that because she doesn't want to uh, even admit that it's a possibility. So that's why she's, you know, hitting on Samuel L. Jackson and, and pretending she really, really doesn't care because I think she's scared to. And it comes back to Hallmark again. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> because like that's always the tension in the, the Hallmark movie is the tension between those two lives. Not necessarily they always want kids because that's what you're supposed to want and they're still very highly traditional. But that pull between sort of the the working woman or the stay-at-home mom sort of dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like oh I was kept going like yeah, so it's not a Hallmark movie, but it's still funny how you can sort of see mm-hmm. the shades or shadows of it on, on even on this movie. And I think what made that tension feel higher is because if anyone was going to choose to walk away from her child, it felt like it would be Charlie. Like, it mm-hmm. felt conceivable that Charlie would make that decision. And what I, in my mind, was thinking the the beating of when she finds that peace between Charlie and Samantha, she will go back and be a mom. Cause I'm, I don't have kids either, but I didn't want her to abandon the child. That seemed really cold. <laughs> so, you know, um, mm-hmm. but I, that line really resonated with me to Erica about, I didn't, no one asked me. I like, she didn't have that choice in a sense. Uh, well, she, not in a sense, she didn't have that choice. And so mm-hmm. that really resonated with me and made me feel more sympathetic towards her than I might have if you just had her being sort of a terrible person who didn't want to be with her kid. And I feel like had had the circumstances not, uh, you know, she she needs to get the key to uh, the safety deposit box or vault or whatever it is, um, which, of course, is, you know, a, on a charm around the neck of the teddy bear that's named after her <laughs> old boss, uh, which she didn't realize. Um, so, of course, she's, you know, I think had it not been for that, Charlie probably would have just walked away and, you know, flown someplace else and started a new life and you know this poor kid would never see her mom again and she but she would have a really nice dad single Mm -hmm. dad who would take care of her and hopefully you know find somebody else and and get married and live in some sort of happily ever after situation but because she has to go back she has to confront her child and I mean yeah you it's not entirely clear how much she remembers of the whole Samantha period. Like, does she remember it all super clearly? Does she remember it a little bit? Um, you know, she's she's kind of looking around trying to find where the key is in the room and doesn't go straight for the bear, which makes me think that maybe she doesn't remember it super clearly because otherwise she'd be like, oh, it's around the neck of the bear. I will go to the bear. Um, but she didn't do that. So I feel like it's kind of that it would have been easier for her to walk away because she doesn't really remember it all super clearly. But then because she has to go back and because her daughter is you know, right there in front of her, then um, she's, I think the Samantha memories are coming back more. And, you know, maybe she just it, it, it genuinely likes her kid. <laughs> so there's, there's all of those things. Possible. Putting, yeah. Like together that like, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe walking away isn't the right idea i feel like the you know because the plot wanted her to have to meet her child she did <laughs> and then that's the reason that she ends up having to soften a little bit on the, the samantha side yeah i mean we have we have uh we have chekhov's key we have chekhov's phone number chekhov's candle i mean th- those were all seeds that planned got yep, planted yep. early we, we cannot we cannot make it back we can't skip going back to to get the kid it, it, totally. it has to happen yes definitely i also sort of loved that like going through sort of the story of the action and the plot of the action where I'm like, none of this actually really matters. It's all about building towards these chase scenes and fight scenes. But we had a lot about the, oh, Charlie was engaged to someone. I'm like, was she? (laughs) I feel like this. And as soon as he saw that guy and the the actor who was playing was like, this guy is going to kill her. Uh, he wants to kill her and just the way they played the whole scene off I think I can't remember what his name was Um, Luke Luke, Uh, also Daedalus such a a name of someone who's going to murder you Uh, not necessarily (laughs) (laughs) not Hal Hal, Hal's not murdering anybody but Luke Luke Luke, he's trouble yeah and I I was like oh yeah and then as they sort of reveal the plot a little further and you find out oh it's not that Luke wants to kill her. She was supposed to kill Luke. And it was just the code language that uh, mm-hmm. her boss uh, would know. But she did not recognize until it was sort of too late. And she's in this whole another big giant fight sequence with um Luke and also Timothy, who is another former nemesis, mm-hmm. potentially the father of the child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so you kind of have those those two strings coming together and then finally you add in her old boss is actually also um part of this big conspiracy to set off a bomb so that they can have more budget for the CIA, which is like (laughs) the dumbest and also the truest plot you could imagine. But I'm like, yeah. It's like firefighter arson arsonists. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So it's like, this is both like so sad, but also so believable. Um, But in the end, it's like, I don't really have to keep track of who everyone in is, what is going on. There's just like the bad guy camp and half the people in the good guy camp are probably in the bad guy camp. And that just feels kind of of that era of action films where everyone you think you trust, you can, you can never trust. Don't trust them. Mm-hmm. But the meetup with Luke is like where we get the kind of the, one of the most memorable scenes, I suppose, from Long Kiss Goodnight for me, which was like the water wheel torture scene where. Oof, yeah. Which is horrible but also genius yeah yeah and uh apparently samantha um is doing plenty of working out because uh both samantha (laughs) and charlie have uh, enormous biceps is when i wrote down with this and so um plenty of time in the weight room uh in between pta and teaching classes i suppose she does a lot of like strength-based yoga probably okay i'm in i I, i'm very believable she makes lots of bread and needs it a lot ah oh yeah that'll do it (laughs) i'll build muscles Mm -hmm. I was waiting for everything to fall apart from the beginning, like as soon as it happens and she's off having a little chat with Luke and you're just waiting for everything to fall apart. So I think they did a good job of building tension, even if I didn't really care too much about the exactness of the plot. (laughs) But I'm like, oh, something's going to happen. There's this is no love story. This is just murder. No love story. Just murder. (laughs) you know it's it's true and you know i have to give a shout out to brian cox who is an actor that i just always love um and yeah when he showed up here steven was very excited because brian cox played sydney newman the canadian and creator of doctor who in the doctor who uh uh, dramatic retelling of uh the creation of the show so every time he shows up steven's always like yay brian cox i think he likes him just in general (laughs) and um and then, you know, he's he's her old, um, well, he trained her. So he wasn't like her boss, but he was her, I don't know, mentor or something like that. And he's he, he knows what's going on. And he gets killed so soon. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I yeah, they probably could only get Brian Cox for like this many days <laughs> shooting. It's fine. Um, but he is the one that, you know, he does show up and say, wait, don't let her go off with him by himself. He's the bad guy. And then he dies. Yeah. So, well, thanks for trying. He does have a great drive up in a car and says, not, he doesn't say this, but in my mind, he says, get in if you want to live. <laughs> and they get <laughs> <Yeah>. in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep, basically. I think Stephen actually did say, come with me if you want to live, like at that uh-huh. scene. So it was very, very classic, that yep. moment. Very action-y. So perfect. I think it is important to talk about the completely not boring and not mundane Mitch Hennessy, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, mm-hmm. Uh, because he's fantastic in this. He's just being exactly what I want from him in an action movie. Uh, and he, mm-hmm. I was like, he's so young and he is so handsome. And his entire wardrobe <laughs> is his war, his oh, wardrobe kills, I have to say. Yeah, it does. And he's not, the thing is, it's like, he is not particularly competent Mm -hmm. at like anything he's not even the one who found the information that that got uh samantha to this point you know like at the beginning there's the cheesy voiceover where she's talking about her life and letting us as the audience in on you know the backstory and the eight years of of amnesia and you know all of the the good private eyes failed so now we're on to the, the cheap crappy ones and it's it's not even his work that that did it. He's got a very sexy assistant who they've been uh, scamming men by having the sexy assistant, like basically lure them into bed uh, prostitution wise. And then Samuel L. Jackson, who's hiring homeless men to come in and pretend that they are the police to shake these men down for, for bribes basically so that they don't get, arrested quote unquote and it's just like he is such a sort of scheming guy and he didn't do the work she did the work his his assistant did the work and yet he's the one that ends up in you know in the car with charlie slash samantha all the way along and you get a little bit of backstory with him 
uh, you know, with his son. He can't even give his son a toy because his his ex is like, uh, did it get stolen? This poor kid is just like, you know how mom is. I probably can't take this toy. And I was like, take the toy. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, poor kid. What's going to do? Give it back? And then, and then, yes, as as it goes on, you get more information about like he's he's really trying, but he's not particularly good at any of the things that he's trying to do. He spent some time in jail, and uh, and I don't know. It just the movie never fully leaned into the uh, you know he's becoming a better person because he is spending time with Samantha like as hard as it could have. But I definitely got a feeling that especially towards the end where he is really pressing Charlie to recognize that she's, you know, trying to kill Samantha in in a way. Um that just the fact that he is mostly rooting for the nicer version of her, that that is him having some sort of character development a little bit. And then by the end, he is basically self-sacrificing mm-hmm. and being like, I'm gonna do one good thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this right. I'm gonna make my life right. So it's just he has kind of a, a nice arc, but it's it's a little bit subtle, which in a movie that is as unsubtle as this movie is, is a, maybe a little bit lighter than it could have been, I think. This movie would have been a lot tougher pill to swallow without Sam Jackson's uh, performance here. I And I like the way that you characterized him having a little bit of an arc because we don't see too much, but there's a lot of moments where he provides like the the grounding for Samantha or Charlie that we just wouldn't that she wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Uh, and she, he gets to kind of call her on some of the posturing of just trying to drive out Samantha from her brain. Um, the, he, he is not, uh, without needing of being redeemed though, because th- there's some, there's some moments where he's just kind of lecherous, I suppose uh-huh. would be the word before it. Yep. They're driving in the car and there's some jogger going by oh, and he That's starts right. ogling her so creepy so annoying but and they almost go off the road <laughs> <laughs> but samantha calls him on it though like he, he doesn't get away with it which i guess is kind of nice mm-hmm. he still says uh, what does he say he says if it's any consolation you got our beat hands down like ugh, i don't know I, Gross. none of that was necessary that is that time period too though mm-hmm. uh, i guess but and, and it's i guess it's telling that i'm noticing it more mm-hmm. now than i did in my uh, late teens or 20s whenever I watched it but yeah Ugh. I think one of the interesting things about him is he like us the viewer is he's the only in movie character who knows both both versions of Samantha Charlie mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I think he he seems quite shocked by that final transformation and very unsettled by it and I think that's part of what we see he's like he, I think he might have, you know, if you just met Charlie, he might that based on how he lives his life and his value system and everything he did, he might actually have a great deal of respect for her. But I think having seen Mm -hmm. that transformation, it's not like he's hanging out with a lot of Samanthas in his day job or his life. But I think him seeing that transformation is what kind of makes him be able to be that voice that calls her back and he's not so so horrible a person that he wants to just abandon the child which is good um and i found that really interesting i also appreciated and i know this is the backwards thing that i should be saying but the fact that most movies would have the romance between them like you have two people in a car mm-hmm. in a road we would have a romance they would eventually end up in bed together at least if not in love forever after but that never really seems on the table. Like even when she tries to make out with him and he's just like, no, this is not doing it for me. (laughs) And I liked him for that because it didn't like, it didn't feel like they had that level of chemistry. They had a different kind of chemistry that really worked, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, normally it's very unusual. I feel that you'd have them together this much and not have them end up together. So that's kind of fun. That's true. I feel like they were leaning into the Samuel L. Jackson as the comic relief mm-hmm. character. And it, you don't often have the lead fall for the comic relief. Like that doesn't I mean, I think nowadays you do more because, you know, it's a different thing. But certainly at that time, that was not a common 
thing. So it's like they had made that decision. He's going to be the comic relief character and she is going to be the the tough guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is that is how it shall be. Yeah. And I, it is subversive. There, there's some nice subversive things about just these characters in general. I mean, even just having certainly at the time anyway, but also just I mean, we're, we're basically... There's a little bit of like a born born identity here with but but Gina Davis gets to be Jason Bourne and that's kind of cool. I don't know. There, there's yeah. there's some things that play at a lot of our expectations and it's good. Yeah, I feel like it came out at a time when we were starting to see more women take the lead in action, but it still mm-hmm. was reasonably new at that time. Um, perhaps you having seen it at the time could remember better if that is the case. I mean, it to me, it felt like I think I'm just, again, remembering all of my, my guy friends being like so excited and like that, you know, they really liked Gina Davis. And it was, you know, like Sigourney Weaver and Gina Davis were sort of like, uh, you know, mentioned in the same breath in terms of their their movie stuff after this. Um, and I don't I don't know how fair that is to either one of those actresses. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't it didn't happen a lot. So when it did, it was sort of a, a memorable thing. And honestly, like even now. I still feel like people tend to treat it as like, oh, my God, it's kind of a big deal. Like think about like when Atomic Blonde came yeah. out and everybody's like, oh, my God, Charlize Theron. You know, she's like this amazing action star. Oh, wow. She's a lady action star. I'm like a lady action star. Ooh. <laughs> so I still think it's not as common as as I would like it to be. But I think it was even less common at the time. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Um, we recently talked about the Terminator, but I think the action part of is is like in this case too where uh sarah connor becomes harder as she becomes more of an action person it's the same sort of thing happening here where samantha is the soft maternal part and to become the action star we have to discard that and yet at the Mm -hmm. same time in the end charlie seems to find some peace in it while also giving up her life in the big city i mean assassination business mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i will say that like just as i said even even now it's not the most common thing to see a woman leading an action film so so watching this and going back and like the it, there are a lot of over the top ridiculous action sequences but i think like at the, the one at the end which is you know on the bridge to canada uh-huh. hello hello from canada <laughs> um and she uh there's a body hanging from a, a rope of lights and she cuts it so that she can then the, the body weighs it down and she slides up and she's shooting and she's hanging from this thing of lights in the air and then she slides down it breaking all of the lights along the way like I started cheering out loud because it was ridiculous like that was just the kind of over the top almost 90s style action sequence that you know I felt like it was just a carryover from the 90s because this is not um, you know, all that. Uh, it's it's actually, 1996. Wait, this was still it the 90s, 90s at that movie. time, right? Yeah, yeah okay. we're, we're square in it. We're yes. In the thick so of like the 90s. it was it was perfectly of that time and it just felt so silly, but it was Gina Davis doing it instead of like Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. or somebody. So I just was che- sitting up and clapping and cheering my head off. <laughs> Meanwhile, Steven's sitting next to me. Just he's he's laughing uh, because it was so silly. But I was laughing because it was silly, and also I was pumped up because it was Gina Davis that was doing this ridiculous thing. And I was just like, "This is so badass! I'm so excited <laughs> right now." So that was that was just a a, a thrill for me. <laughs> this one. I think that's one of the things that like I remember thinking in 1996 when we watched this. This is such a cool movie, and and Gina Davis is really cool, and and pulling that move with picking up the gun and sliding down the Christmas lights, that was a cool move. I don't know. I mm-hmm. yes, it's funny. Yep. Yes, it's silly, especially you know what twenty thirty years later. It yes, maybe a little bit tropey for the nineties, but gosh, it was cool. And yep, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's why I, I fell for her again when she put on the blonde hair and stuff with the dark eye <laughs> shadow. I don't know. It, it was, it was, I don't know. She's cool. Gina Davis is cool, folks. A uh, really hot take from your pal, Brian. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Uh, it's always interesting to seeing actors back in time again and remembering, oh, like they were so young and hot at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I was that young and hot 30 years ago <laughs> uh, with less, uh, 
mad skills with knives and guns. I, I did enjoy <laughs> how a gun is not enough. A knife is not enough. We must throw in at least one explosion per action sequence, which just made me laugh because mm-hmm. uh, we got to blow something up, which is so over the top, but also kind of delightful. If you're going to go over the top, just lean into it. My My other question was, what is happening at the Canadian border? You're seeing this truck drive up. You're seeing gunfire. You're seeing helicopters. You're seeing all this stuff. Um, shouldn't you be doing something and trying to come from the other angle and maybe be like, do you need some help over here? But maybe we can't cross the border because we have no jurisdiction. Like, where's the RCMP? Exactly. That's what I want to know. And, uh, <laughs> it, but the whole thing is backlit by the welcome to Canada. Ben, bienvenue. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, this is the closest we get to being in action movies we can show up mm-hmm. uh but we're stuck at the border and we can't cross <laughs> basically mm-hmm. yep a uh, little bit of canadian trivia mitch's partner played a very key role in season one of due south oh nice like, yeah so that is probably she's a canadian actor which you know, but I was like, oh, this whole I thing like was her. filmed in Toronto, right? Like, or, or thereabouts. So, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Maybe they did draw for some locals there. She is from Ohio. Okay. So she is. What? She plays a character Canadian. named Mackenzie King, named after one of our prime ministers. Wow. I'm glad that did not come up on the citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> her theme song was American Woman, all due south trivia for you. Ah, yeah. She was a star of a show called Providence which I didn't really watch, but I knew her from. So there you go. That's Melina Canacarides. That's all I got. So any other things we want to cover in terms of this overall movie? I feel like it's not super deep. So it's not like we're going to have highly Uh in-depth conversations (laughs) about this movie. (laughs) What's the deep theme of this movie? (laughs) <laughs> well, where do we net out on uh, hair color for Gina Davis? Um, I, I feel like we might be a podcast divided on this one. Yeah, I, I'm not keen <sighs> on the blonde, I have to say. Personal preference, I guess. I, I The thing is, I don't particularly love the blonde. It's okay. I like you know, I like it all right. But I don't like the huge, enormous, long... 90s hair. F- like, yeah, I, the Sam hair either. So I feel like... I for me it would be a happy medium if we had the Charlie hair with the mm. Samantha color mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then I would be the happiest. I would buy that. I do love how when women get badass they have to slick back their hair, cut it short and slick it back like she had at the beginning. I mean, otherwise it could get caught know, in things, right? That's dangerous. But that's how we know. <laughs> You're an action hero if you slick your hair back and cut it all off. And the dark eyeshadow too, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that's part of being yeah. a an assassin, I suppose. Yeah, because that, that's know. not going to get streaky when you're in an action sequence and running around. <laughs> <laughs> well, Furiosa did it in Mad Max Fury Road, yeah. and it seemed it all bl- blended together with the grime. So that's, I that's suppose fair. it worked okay. Fair. Yeah, hers was just engine like grease. <laughs> just like yeah. smeared that on by the back of her hand. Yeah, because uh, Trinity from Matrix also very slicked back. Mm-hmm. I think Atomic Blonde too, right? It's been a while. Since In some of the scenes, it's been yeah. a while since I've seen it. I don't know. All I remember from Atana with Blonde is the coats. Oh, <laughs> like yes. <laughs> I'm sure she had a face, but all I see is a coat. Uh, she was just a coat hanger to you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, let's then round this up with some final thoughts. So, Erica, what are your final thoughts about this classic Christmas movie that everyone watches every year, I'm sure? Well, I can't say I'm going to start putting it in like the Christmas rotation and watch it every year. Uh, I can see myself watching it at some point at Christmas down the road. Uh, I'm I'm glad that you chose it, even even though it's not the most smoochy of movies, because it was really fun to revisit it and and just watch it to to talk about it. And I do agree that it is interesting and kind of hilarious that even though it is not a romance movie it just has so many of the romance tropes and there's a part of me that loves that but there's also a little part of me that is a little less in love with it simply because this was you know one of our at the time especially rare shots at an action film with a female lead mm-hmm. and the fact that they lean on the romancy hallmark movie tropes in it is 
like it's kind of cool and it's also kind of like oh but did you have to go like so so femme in that way I don't know like I always have mixed feelings with that sort of thing simply because in a case like this especially when you don't have a lot of movies with women at the lead of an action film it's like this movie now speaks for all action films with women. We don't have enough of them <laughs> that I can just, you know, be like, oh, this particular one uses some romance tropes. That's really cool. It's like, no, there aren't that many of them. So why are we why are we being super girly with the uh, with the ideas behind it? So it's, it's you know, I get a lot of mixed feelings when there's something like this. Uh, I appreciate that there are more of them now. I think what I am taking away from all of this is we just need a lot more action movies mm-hmm. in the future with a lot more women at the uh, at the helm so that we can have some that have really smoochy romance tropes in them and I don't necessarily have to kind of cringe just a little bit because of it. That's all. I had to double check, but I'm like, it's probably because it's written by a man and that's how he knows how to write for women stuff. <laughs> and it, and it don't get me wrong, I like Shane Black. Shane Black is, is the one that wrote this. He wrote a bunch of other stuff that I also like and I am blanking on here let me just <laughs> searching Lethal while weapon. i talk um mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't actually mm-hmm. care that much about uh, about that but i like um iron man 3 like oh. I, which not everybody loves that iron man movie but i really do it's one of my favorites kiss kiss bang bang which you oh, know yeah. hashtag up. teaser for Kilmus this year um <gasps> i don't care that much about the lethal weapons last action hero i really like last action hero so like he's a writer that i that i enjoy but yeah he's definitely male yep, yep. Yeah. Brian, any final thoughts from you? I'm looking through my notes here and I, and I feel I stand by my thoughts that this is a cool movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a little surprised at how tropey it was. And I certainly could have either appreciated leaning even further into more smooch worthy content mm-hmm. um, or just further away from it. I think Hal, Hal's a, a underappreciated hero in this film. And I was thinking about towards the end when uh, I believe our uh, Charlie is she's collapsed in front of that tanker and it's about to explode and her daughter comes and tries to get her to get up. And she reuses that line uh, when Sam was Samantha was kind of flashing over to Charlie and, and, and kind of bullying her daughter. And so she uses the bullying line to get Sam to wake up or Charlie to wake up and uh, start moving again. And I feel like, is that my lesson here is to like bully your children and it might save you someday? <laughs> like that's the, not the lesson I want to take away from this. It is the lesson. Uh, I've got, an, I've got three kids. So I've got enough kids for the whole podcast. We're good. Excellent. Um, and I'm not going to take that lesson away. I don't think you should do it. But um, hey, you know, some over over the top explosions for a mid 90s movie uh, with a pretty cool protagonist set in Christmas. Sure. Let's call it smooch worthy enough for us today. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Annette, you mentioned Trinity from the Matrix earlier. I actually had Matrix flashbacks when, you know, because at the end of the first Matrix movie, we get Trinity kissing Neo and suddenly he's he's back from the dead and here it's like i think it's pretty clear charlie was like she she's, her eyes are basically open like she looked like she was dead and then her kid bullies her and then she bullies her back to life basically so it's just like a little, little little matrixy thing there so you should only bully people if they're actually dead and then that will bring them back to life that is well the, the yelling people back to life is such a classic trope from action movies too it's like they're <laughs> yeah. not dead you mm-hmm. just haven't yelled enough at them Maybe pound their chest a bit. A little bit. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I think my final thought is I just kept thinking back to a movie we watched last year for Smooch, which was Lindsay Lohan's Falling for Christmas, which was also an amnesia movie. And it it was just like, uh, (laughs) except for this one's actually better. Uh, Sorry, Lindsay. But just Mm -hmm. like, it's just so funny how many of those like amnesia tropes can work in a very silly Christmas romance movie, but also a, an action movie, same tropes, different environment, still working for me. I, I thought on the whole, this was actually quite fun. And um, I'm glad I watched it. I'm like, this, I know everyone's talking about uh, Die Hard as a Christmas action movie, but I think this might be the underrated Christmas action movie everyone should be watching. So go there you go, go check it out if you haven't already. I was thinking about um, 
Samuel, ja- Samuel L. Jackson was in a movie the previous year, like in 1995, that also had a big explosion set piece at the Canadian border. It was the third Die Hard movie, <laughs> Die Hard with oh, a right. Vengeance. Uh, Speaking of Die Hards. Like, what is it about <laughs> Sam Jackson at the Canadian border that things just We really up? don't want him to come into the country. <laughs> I guess. Wow. <laughs> Oh, and another final thought. I just really need to shout out his fuzzy green beret because that oh, beret yeah. was the best. Everything he wore, amazing. That beret was like, uh, I am I would like kill for that beret. I would give his shiny <laughs> shoes a, a second place. Mention. Yes. Yeah. They were gorgeous. Plaid pants. Shoes. Everything. Like whoever styled oh, yeah, him. Oh, plaid pants were good. 100 mm-hmm. points out of 100. Yep. So... Well, thank you for joining for joining me, Brian. I'm really glad that you came for your very first mission, and I hope it is not your last. Oh, likewise. Thank you, Annette. This has been a delight. And thank you, Erica. It's always a joy to hang out with you and talk about smooching. Well, sometimes more than others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time we should uh, watch together in person. Yes. When we are both north of the Canadian Currently, border. I am not even in the same country as Erica, which is um, very know. sad for me. But I will be home soon. And me. Well, our next installment for Christmas will be a much more traditional entry. We are actually, Erica and I and Stephen and Kirsten will be watching Christmas movies in the same space, playing Christmas bingo cards. And uh, we don't know what we're going to watch yet. We're very excited. There's like, of course, one million options. But uh, mm-hmm. yes, that will be our next Christmas smooch episode, which is become our annual holiday movie marathon, which always comes with good snacks. So get your snacks ready. So many. Get your movie watching ready. We're going to go back into the more traditional holiday romances for the next episode. And until next time, agents, stay safe. Agents of Smooch is part of the Incomparable Network. If you are enjoying our show, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to join the Smooch agency, you can become a member of the Incomparable at theincomparable.com slash members. Members can choose to support us and any other shows on the network, and you get extra perks like hanging out in the members-only Slack channel and bonus content such as our growing list of incomprehensible Agents of Smooch tipsy commentaries. Thank you for listening. Your next mission will be coming to you soon.